Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. We're going to talk about population today. Michigan is not keeping pace with almost any other state when it comes to growth. And that problem has become a central narrative in policy discussions at every level. Today we're going to talk about what's driving people away and what's not attracting them here from other places. And we'll hear specifically about one Michigan city, Dearborn, whose mayor says he has an idea for better growth. That's next on Detroit Today. But first, the news from NPR. Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've decided to join us today. In the game of states and cities, population is king. You need it to support revenue and taxes to pay for services. You need it to grow the economy and create opportunities. You need it, well, for just about everything. And here in Michigan, we are losing. Okay, not literally. We're not technically losing population, according to the U.S. Census. But in comparison to other states, we are lagging really seriously and in some ways getting lapped. We rank 49th in population growth right now, in part because other regions of the country, like the South, and the Southwest are doing much better at creating the kinds of places that people want to live. In addition, there's a massive agenda of disinvestment that has taken hold in Michigan for several decades. And it says to people, especially to people who are born here and grow up here, that if you really want to succeed, if you really want to thrive, you got to go somewhere else. So how do you grow population if you're Michigan? How do you grow it if you're Detroit, a city that has been losing population since the 1960s? Those questions took center stage at last week's Mackinac Policy Conference on Mackinac Island. And for a while now, they're going to be at the nexus of our policy discussions in city halls and in the state capitol. We want to spend today talking about our population woes, why they exist and persist, and what we can do about them. A little later, we're going to hear from an economic forecaster from the University of Michigan about what he sees. We want to hear from you throughout the conversation as well. What should Michigan be doing about population loss? How do we keep more people here? How do we attract more people to come here from other places? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can include you in the conversation that way. But we want to start the conversation today with a story that has a little hope to it. There's one city in southeast Michigan that may be on a different track than others in the state. Dearborn is one of our youngest cities with nearly 40% of its population under the age of 24. It's also home to many different immigrant communities, and the city grew from about 97,000 in population in 2010 to about 108,000 in 2021. Those numbers predate the arrival of Abdul Hamoud as the mayor of Dearborn. That happened in 21. But Mayor Hamoud is nonetheless focused on continuing the trend and unlocking the keys to population growth in his city. He's got a new plan to keep the city's young people around 
to invest in its residents, that key word again, investment, and to grow the population. And what he's doing could be a model for the rest of the state. To talk about all this, we've got Dearborn Mayor Abdullah Hamoud here with us. Mayor Hamoud, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. So you talk about the Dearborn advantage. What is advantageous about being a resident of Dearborn? What kinds of things do residents point to as benefits that Michiganders may not find in other cities? Well, one of the unique things of Dearborn is, you know, you you tend to think you come for the food, but you're actually there for the culture and the community that's generated. <laughs> They're all tied together, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the data, 30% of our residents are foreign-born. We have this welcoming atmosphere. If you speak to many of the Afghani refugees that are now being resettled in Michigan, many of them are asking to be resettled in Dearborn because it's been the home for so many immigrant communities, whether it was the Italians, the Polish, the Yemeni, or the Iraqi, um, or the Lebanese. And so we have established that reputation of being a welcoming city. Um, as it pertains to some of the investments we're making now, we seeded an endowment fund. We are now bringing the Dolly Parton Imagination Library to all city of Dearborn residents. So every child between zero and five gets a free book mailed to their house every month. Um, and so you get 60 books before you start kindergarten. We just locked in a contract with Smart. And so many people are familiar with Smart Busing and maybe not as familiar with Smart Flex, which is a publicly funded Uber and Lyft. Within the city of Dearborn, every ride anywhere in the city will only be $1. And so we're trying to address some of the public transit issues that we know the whole metropolitan area uh, needs to, you know, third, we're, we're making a $30 million investment in our parks and the list continues. And the whole idea behind what we call the quote unquote Dearborn advantage is we have to make a value proposition as to what is the advantage to being a Dearborn resident. And I think the state of Michigan has to do the same. What is the Michigan advantage? What is the advantage to being a Michigan resident in the post pandemic and the remote flex era of work? So you talk about investing in people and not corporations. I want to talk, have you talk just a little about your strategy to both create job opportunities, but to do it as well without offering tax incentives. And I want to have you talk about this idea of investing in people. What does that mean? What does it look like? At the Mackinac Policy Conference, uh, Fareed Zechariah gave a startling statistic. In America, we spend an average of $4 for every American above the age of 65. We spend only $1 on Americans under the age of 18. And what we're trying to do in Dearborn is make these investments in young people and growing families. You know, we're, we're looking at expanding and building a STEM center that would be free and available um, to Dearborn residents. These are the types of investments that we have to make to keep young people here. Obviously, affordable housing, work-ready housing is, is another one of those elements. Um, but that is the question that we're asking ourselves internally. As it pertains to economic growth and job opportunities, what we understand is that when you are in middle, middle school, we need to start having these conversations. And what we believe to be the key is not just internships or fellowship opportunities. It's actually job guarantees. And so we're working with a very large employer right now with our local community college. And what we're trying to strike is from high school, if you follow down the specific pathway, and we'll share the details hopefully when the contract is, uh, is secured, um, that not only will you be able to go through community college at almost tuition free in the city of Dearborn, because we're the only K through 14 school system in Michigan, um, but that when you graduate, you'd graduate with minimal uh, to no debt and you have a job waiting for you, um, which I think is extremely important to surpass just the fellowship opportunity and say, you have a guaranteed job within the city of Dearborn, or at least within 20 minutes of the city of Dearborn. Mm. I'm talking with Mayor Abdullah Hamoud of the city of Dearborn. Uh, we're talking about population and the fact that Dearborn is one of the communities here in the state of Michigan that's actually seeing some growth, actual growth. Uh, 2010, there were about 97,000 people living in Dearborn. In 2021, uh, it was at 108,000. That is counter to much of the trend here in the state of Michigan, where lots of communities are losing population. And even those that are gaining are gaining so little that we're not keeping pace with other states that are growing uh, much more prolifically. We want to hear from you during this conversation as well. We're talking about population growth all day today here on the show. Uh, give us a call. Let us know what you think of the changes in population that we are seeing here in the state of Michigan, the loss that we have sustained over a really long period of time. Think about the city of Detroit, how many people used to live here 
and how many people we struggle to say uh, live here now. The, the count each time we have the census is this very tense exercise where we try to make sure we count every single person, not because uh, it's important to make sure that everyone is included, but just as much because we need the numbers. We need the numbers for tax revenue. We need the numbers for federal government uh, support, uh, which is all tied to population. All of the things that drive us a little nuts about population. Uh, give us a sense of what you think we should be doing. Give us a sense of why you live here in the state of Michigan. If you're raising a family here in the state of Michigan, I'm especially interested in hearing from you about why you stay here, what things you think uh, are advantageous about being in Michigan uh, and raising a family, and what things you think we could have more of, what would be better to keep more people here and attract more folks. 313-577-1019 is the number here. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And uh, you can be part of the program that way. Uh, Mayor Hamoud, I want to talk about two things. Uh, Young people, which is a demographic that Dearborn seems to be doing very well with. I want to know why you think that's true. And immigrants, which is an historic advantage of Dearborn, as you pointed out a little earlier. It seems now like it is in a particularly good space, that that Dearborn is growing with a variety of people coming here from from other places, from a lot of different places. So let's start with, with young people. What is it about Dearborn that is attracting and keeping young people? Well, I think the two are actually related. In a lot of the immigrant households, immigrant families that are moving to Dearborn, they tend to have larger family sizes. Um, in Dearborn, you know, we have the third largest school district in the state of Michigan, 22,000 students and counting, and we're the seventh largest city. Um, what's unique about uh, families also wanting to choose Dearborn is, I said earlier, we're the only K-14 through school system. What that means is our high school students can actually attain an associate's degree at no out-of-pocket cost to the family. That is a unique advantage to the city of Dearborn. So while the country has been debating tuition-free community college, Dearborn has been doing it for decades. I uh, benefited from that program. Mm-hmm. I graduated high school with nearly 40 college credits completed, which shaved off a little over a year in my attainment of my bachelor's degree. And so these are some of the advantages to being a Dearborn resident and why I think it's a unique opportunity for families who want to come to Dearborn. Um, growing up, you know, one of the things I experienced was you know, very working, poor family, um, five children. We couldn't afford to go to the pools each and every single day. Um, we're a community that has five community pools over 40 neighborhood parks. When I came into office, we made all pools free for children under the age of 13. And while most folks might have ex- thought that the city would experience a, a dip in revenue, we actually shattered expectations because now all families were able to afford and go to the pool and take all their children. Um, so we're really trying to target the investments we make to those young people. When we, when, when we say young, we mean hopefully investing in, in mothers uh, prior to having the child um, because that's the, that's the level of investment that has to happen. Um, on the immigrant forefront, Dearborn is known to be welcoming. Um, we have a, a strong interfaith community. If you drive by Alter Road, you have the country's largest mosque uh, neighbored by three churches. Um, our community is very diverse. Um, you know, whether it was, again, the, the Polish, the Italians who all started in the South End and migrated west, Dearborn has its own immigration pattern. Um, and I think that is unique to our, to our city. And so I think congressionally and at the federal level, they must address humane immigration reform. Um, I think there are a lot of things we can do at the state to help uh, be a catalyst for further population growth. You know, one of the things I'd love to see is the state to assume the responsibility for funding school infrastructure. This is largely funded right now via property taxes, actually solely funded via property taxes. And communities like Detroit, like Dearborn, um, are disadvantaged on this front because uh, the average assessed value of a home is less in Dearborn like it might be, for example, in Oakland County. Um, But that's a burden that I think the state can assume and also help level the playing field for Michigan to compete against Texas or Florida, which have far lower property taxes Mm -hmm. um, than here in the state of Michigan. Uh, So I I just want to pause and and say something that has has occurred to me sitting here talking to you. I grew up in this community, too, uh, in, in Detroit in the 70s and 80s. And Dearborn was not a welcoming community, mm-hmm. not to people like me. Uh, I, I can remember the mayor there, uh, somebody who for a really long time was 
anti people who were not from Dearborn, uh, and that meant anti-black in in many cases because of its proximity to the city of Detroit. Uh, I can remember them talking about not wanting quote-unquote non-residents in Mm -hmm. parks when Mm -hmm. I was a teenager. Everyone knew what they were saying with that. 30 years later, we're sitting here. uh, You're an Arab-American who is the mayor of Dearborn. It's a city that has people from all over the world living there. I I just want to give you a chance to talk about the turn to inclusivity and what that has meant to growth, but also how it was achieved. How did Dearborn change uh, to become a welcoming place when not so long ago it really wasn't? Yeah. You know, even in 1987, when Mayor Guido assumed office, he had the infamous mailer that he sent out saying, let's talk about the Arab problem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And yet 30 years later, an Arab American sits in the office of mayorship. Um, I think what really led to this change was persistence, that the immigrant communities were not um, were not leaving. Um, They were growing. And that forced the city administrations to reckon with this growing community and understanding the political power that they had when it came down to election time. Um, I think that's one of the the largest uh, shifts that you saw. When we came in, we knew that Dearborn had a reputation of being the quote-unquote sundown town, that the keep Dearborn clean model meant keep it clean of black and African Americans Mm -hmm. and expanded to keeping it clean of immigrant and Arab Americans. Um, So we have changed a lot of the policies internally since I've come to office. One of the first things that we did was We're now celebrating the border between Dearborn and Detroit. We have an annual block party that we host on Tireman Avenue. Tireman, which used to have a TAC team, a police unit, um, it started as one Detroit officer, one Dearborn officer to kind of patrol the border between the two cities. And now we're actually bringing the neighbors on both sides of Tireman, both of which flooded in 2021, to the understanding that we have far more in common than we do different. Um, And this human-made border has kept us separate for no reason. And so now we're celebrating that border. Um, Secondly, we've even shifted our police policies since assuming office under Police Chief Issa Shaheen. If you look at 2019, the last strong year of data uh, pre-pandemic, 40% of citations issued in the city of Dearborn were issued to black and African-American drivers, the majority of which for non-moving violations, Mm. things like dangling ornaments, expired license plates and such. We eliminated that policy of focusing on non-moving violations and shifting solely on moving violations. And in 2022, just last year, we saw a 50% drop in the proportion of tickets issued to black and African-American drivers for things that are actually impacting public health, like speeding, reckless driving, crossing a a stop sign or a red light. Um, So we're beginning to address those policies as well and demonstrating with the world that we are a welcoming place to all communities, especially with the city of Detroit, which Dearborn shares the longest border with. Yeah, yeah. Okay, when we come back, we are going to continue this conversation about population, population growth, the population woes that we have in the state of Michigan, and of course here in Southeast Michigan. We're going to keep Mayor Abdullah Hamoud of Dearborn, and we're going to add another voice to the conversation. Uh, Gabriel Ehrlich is going to join us. He's an economic forecaster at the University of Michigan, director of the university's research seminar in quantitative economics. He's going to add a little more perspective to this conversation about population and why it matters, why some other places are doing better at retaining and growing population. We will also get going with you on the phones and on social. We'll start with Victoria in Dearborn, Dan in Southfield, Bernadette in Old Redford, and Jeanette in Detroit. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've joined us. We're talking about population today, the population struggles we have here in the state of Michigan. Uh, The subject uh, was at the centerpiece of the conversations on Mackinac Island last week during the Mackinac Policy Conference, and it is something that worries people in city halls and the state capitol quite a bit, the fact that we are 49th in population growth, Michigan is, in the country. That's not because we're losing population, we actually aren't. It does mean, though, that we're not growing population at the same rate as lots of other states. We are almost 
dead last in that regard. The question is why, but also what we should be doing. What should we be doing differently to make sure that more people stay here and more people decide to move here? 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. We've been talking with Dearborn Mayor Abdullah Hamoud, who is uh, doing a number of things particular to Dearborn to make sure that the population there grows. Uh, Over the last 10 years, between 2010 and uh, 2021, Dearborn is one of the few communities that had dramatic population growth, at least as a percentage. We've been talking to him about how he's building on uh, what what happened over that decade. We also want to hear from you about uh, what you're doing and why are you here in the state of Michigan, especially if you're raising a family here. I'd love to hear how you make the choice to stay in Detroit or Michigan and not go to other states where people say opportunity is more plentiful. People say there are more things to attract people in these other states. Why are you staying here? What is it about Michigan or Detroit or Southeast Michigan that you love? 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313 577 1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work into the conversation. I also want to add another voice to the conversation. Gabriel Ehrlich is an economic forecaster at the University of Michigan and director of the university's research seminar in quantitative economics. He is here now to talk about Michigan's declining population, what that means for our economy and other things, and how we turn those numbers around. Gabriel Ehrlich, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks very much. Let's start here. Why does population matter so much to states and to cities? Yeah, it's it's a great question. And I think, you know, one of the most important reasons is just uh, population growth really puts a speed limit on the rate of economic growth we can achieve, especially here in Michigan. And, you know, this is something that we were saying you know, going back five years, you know, 2018, 2019, we would go around the state of Michigan and say, listen, Michigan's population growth is going to start putting a speed limit on our economic recovery. Um, and obviously the pandemic interrupted the focus on population temporarily. But now, you know, in 2023, we're really back to where we were back then, where we see, you know, we are not going to be able to sustain the type of job growth that we'd like to see uh, if if we can't grow our population. Yeah. So why is Michigan declining in population? And again, I got to be careful with that. We're not losing population, <laughs> at least not yet. Right. We're just not keeping pace with other states. But what are the big problems that we're having retaining the people who are here and attracting people from other places? Yeah. You know, so Michigan has uh, – been a what we would call a domestic outmigration state for a long time. We we lose more people to other states than uh, who move into Michigan, um, and you know that that has been the case for you know for a very long time. Um, it has improved some. So you know obviously at, at the start of the millennium, you, you know the the economic decline here in Michigan really meant that that people left the state uh, in search of better opportunities. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I think the job market still is a big determinant of, of where people choose to live. But obviously, Michigan's job market has improved a lot since then. Um, and we've seen that that domestic outmigration uh, ha- has also improved for Michigan. We still do lose people to other states more more than who, who move here. Um, but, you know, just one thing to say is, you know, Michigan really relies on international migration, um, people moving from other countries to the state. And I know you were talking about this earlier um, as a way to offset that domestic outmigration. What about I use the word investment a lot to when I talk about the things that I think are, are, are among the levers that uh, public officials can pull to push population growth one way or another. And I I have said for a long time that we're really bad at that here in the state of Michigan and that we have become that way over my lifetime. This is a place where we used to invest quite a bit in quality of life issues, education, things like that. And we've pulled back from that. Can you talk about the ways in which other states have changed that tune for themselves 
to attract more population while we have kind of pulled away and and how important that investment picture is to all of that. Sure. I, I can talk a little bit about that. You know, one thing I just want to add is, you know, just the demographics themselves are going to become more of a challenge here in Michigan. You know, when you think about what we call natural population growth, that's births minus deaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, we, we've projected Michigan's uh, population out through 2050. And what we expect is starting around 2040, we're going to have more deaths than births here in Michigan. Um, and so, you know, that is going to be an ongoing challenge. And to be honest, you know, you know, to some extent, that's going to be a national trend. The population is getting older, and that's especially true here in Michigan. Um, and, you know, just to be upfront with you, there's not a lot the state can do. Um, you know, we're, we're not going to turn back the clock right, and start right. getting younger. So, right. so you, you know, the, um, I would say, you know, we're, we're swimming against the current in, in that sense. Um, and like I say, it's, it's going to be, you know, more and more of a national story as well. So Michigan's not unique in that regard. And then I think, you know, Michigan faces a few other challenges. Um, one is when you look at, you know, where do people move? Uh, people move to warmer states, mm-hmm. you know, and Michigan is not going to become Florida. It's not going to become Texas or California. We're not going to, you know, all of a sudden have you know, warm winters and, and, and beaches you know, and the beaches. beaches around, exactly. right. Yeah. So, right. So, I mean, you know, in, in that sense, um, that is what it is, but I do think, you know, to your question about, uh, investing in quality of life, investing in places, um, some research that my group has done, uh, is about the impacts of, um, restoration work along the great lakes. So great lakes restoration. And we've shown that that has, um, it, it actually, every dollar, uh, that the federal government, invests in Great Lakes restoration actually produces uh, more than $3 of additional economic activity here in the Great Lakes region. Um, so that's, you know, one one place I would point to as, as something Michigan can do to compete is, you know, to invest more in its waterfronts in, in the Great Lakes. You know, we are the Great Lakes state and really to embrace that. I know we already do, but, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, that we, you know, have have seen results in. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, just just one other thing to say is sure. there is a little bit of, of of a you know a cycle of a virtuous cycle that you know a state like Texas can enjoy because when you've got people moving in, it becomes easier to make those investments that you mentioned. Yeah. When you know when the state economy is struggling, when people are moving out, it gets harder and harder to make the investments. Yeah, yeah, it's almost a, a, a kind of a self fulfilling prophecy. Right. Yeah, uh, Mayor Hamoud, I see you ready to jump in here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I appreciate the professor's remarks. But what I'd say is we have the opportunity and the resources to make investments here. Um, we have to try to retain our talent. And there's two ways to grow your economy. There's the, you know, the, there's the, the mentality that you have to go recruit these big companies to come to Michigan to open up or whatever it might be. The uniqueness of Dearborn is yes, we're home to Ford Motor Company, but we have a proliferating small business economy. And that second pathway is a little bit uh, harder. It's a little bit uh, takes more investment. But if you invest in successful small businesses and in your residents right now that have these, you know, the Amazons of tomorrow, it's easier to retain those than it is to try to recruit them to come to the state of Michigan. And we have to do a better job there. Um, third, we have to invest in a public transit system. We're the only major metropolitan area in the whole country that does not have a public transit option, which is why we're exploring the smart flex for $1 anywhere in Dearborn. Mm -hmm. A broken bus system, a a no rail system is a great disadvantage, especially to young people um, such as myself. I hate driving. Um, and the one, the one advantage to Michigan is, you know, I can go anywhere in about seven minutes within the city. My brother lives in California in Orange County. It takes about 45 minutes to get anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I would never move to California for that reason. So we have to start thinking in what the private sector calls blue ocean strategy. We have to compete on a set of metrics that nobody's even thinking about. We might not be able to compete on weather, but you know what? We have great natural assets such as the Great Lakes. Um, we're pretty much, we have a few tornadoes here and there, but we don't have many natural disasters that other cities uh, that people are moving to have uh, sure. time and time again. Um, but we have to invest in school infrastructure. I think we have to address property taxes, which is one of the great disadvantages to the state of Michigan. We have a relatively low income tax. Um, and we have to try to retain the talent that's already here. We have some of the best universities, the best universities uh, in the world. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and you can be part of the program that way. Today I'm going to start with Victoria in Dearborn. Victoria, welcome to the show. Thank you very, very much. Um, Mayor, I am one of your constituents and uh, very impressed with the work that you have been doing as mayor. My question has to do with walkability, and especially for people who are older who may be considering 
uh, Dearborn as a retirement community and who want to walk around. There isn't an easy way to get to West Dearborn downtown, for example, on foot from the area around Ford World headquarters and the mall, but it's a very walkable distance. There's no way, easy way to get to the library from the same area without cutting through World Headquarters of Ford or to the campuses of U of M or Henry Ford Community College, which do offer programs for the public. So what is the plan for walkability and to attract the retirees who want to walk? Great question, Victoria. Mayor Hamoud, walkability is something I hear Lots of urban planners talking about, lots of city officials talking about. Of course, the infrastructure here in southeast Michigan was built around the car a long time ago. And so we have a lot of, I guess, change to embrace, but also a lot of challenge, I think, in, in retrofitting in, in some ways these these car-focused cities to, mm-hmm. to, to the foot and to the bike, of course, as well. Uh, what's going on with that in Dearborn? Yeah, thank you so much for your question. You know, we actually are commencing our master planning now. And a portion of the new master plan we're creating for the city includes this multimodal pathways across the city, um, not just walking, but also including uh, you know, uh, hiking and cycling um, across our city to make sure that all the corners are connected. One of the things that we have to also do is work with our county and state partners. If you look at where World Headquarters is and where the city administrative center, Michigan Avenue is like nine lanes. Um, and I can tell you, we don't need nine lanes. <laughs> so a part of this conversation also has to be the requirement that road diets must exist. We have to slow down traffic. We have to shrink the number of lanes in order to create these multimodal pathways that can connect the whole city. Um, and that's what our master plan will hopefully take a focus on and should be concluding um, next year. But we are prepared to make the investments to begin to can make these connections. And one of the connections we also want to create is across our 40 plus parks across the city. Um, for those residents in the south end, they're kind of isolated from the rest of the city um, in the south end. So we're also looking at how do you connect the south to the east to the west um, so you can travel the whole city and not just pockets of our downtown uh, by walking or by cycling. Yeah, yeah. Victoria, I really appreciate the call and the perspective. I want to go next to uh, Jeanette. This is Jeanette Pierce here in the city of Detroit. She's the founder and the president of City Institute and uh, somebody who knows an awful lot about what goes on in the city, what the city's like, uh, and what uh, economic kinds of uh, incentives and opportunities exist. Jeanette, welcome to the show. You there? Hello. Hey, Jeanette. I'm, Go ahead. Hey, how are you? Uh, thanks for having me, and um, love all the conversation, and love all the work you're doing in Dearborn, Mayor. We're excited to be doing walking tours with you guys of West Dearborn and East Dearborn this summer. If folks want to come out for a free tour of all the great small businesses and the, some of the walkable parts of Dearborn right now. Um, I wanted to just kind of answer the question why people stay and what we can do to help more people stay. Mm -hmm. And uh, it always starts with what everyone's been talking about. We need this, we need this, we need this. And those are absolutely true things. But we also have to make the value proposition, give the pitch for why people should come and stay today. Mm -hmm. And especially our local residents, a lot of times they assume they know Detroit, I know Dearborn, I know Grand Rapids, whatever it might be. But it's different being a kid somewhere than being a grown-up. And as we've worked to help educate people with these attraction retention tours for 20 years, we see the difference when people say, oh, my God, I didn't know that was here. You mean that? I could do that? Oh. And I will also mention that the job side, of course, people need jobs. But for, again, 20 years now, back in 2008, working with Luke Glazier, and a lot of the data actually says younger people especially choose quality of life Hmm. and then to find a job. And the people that have that are the most mobile and have the most options are can literally even nowadays bring their job with them. We just had six people move from Oakland, California to do just that. So I will just leave you with this because I could go on. <laughs> but the why Detroit is we do. We have all these big city amenities you could possibly imagine. And we can't forget that our old money, like Phoenix, Nashville, they're not getting museums. They're not getting, you know, hundred year old opera houses, right? That's you can't make that stuff again. We have beautiful public parks that we are finally starting to invest in more in the city. We have all these small businesses, but our greatest asset is that we know our community members. We can make a positive impact, and it's really possible. So we always sum that up by saying, 
Detroit is big enough to matter in the world <laughs> and small enough where you can matter in it. Yes. And that's what we try to teach people on our tours and learning journeys. Yeah. And I love part, I'm also sending my three kids, my triplets, to Detroit Public School this fall for free pre-K. Mm-hmm. We, we're talking about that statewide, but there are three schools in Detroit that have wall-to-wall Montessori and free pre-K. And I'm also going to be able to send them to free college with the Detroit Promise. So that's a pretty great value proposition, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeanette, I uh, really appreciate you calling in and, and sharing all of, all of those ideas. Uh, Gabriel Ehrlich, I'm going to start with you in response. Uh, th- these things that are advantages or potential advantages in places like Detroit or Michigan, why is it that they don't do better in comparison to some of these other places? Or is it just a matter of of time. I mean, you uh, the the thing that you said earlier about what's going to happen here in 2040 in terms of the loss uh, that 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 struck me pretty strongly. Um, but but then when you look at things like what Jeanette's talking about, things like what Mayor Hamoud is talking about, why is it that we're not competing as well? So I, you know, one thing I I do think is important. Um, to say, I think that the the perception sometimes is is a little bit worse than the reality in in how Michigan is doing. Mm-hmm. So if you look at since um April of 2020, so since the 2020 census, the decennial census, uh, Michigan ranked 15th from the bottom in, t- in terms of net migration among the states. So you know states like New York, California, Illinois did worse than Michigan, and I think that's something that people don't appreciate. Is is you know I, I kind of mentioned this is becoming more and more of a national trend. Um, Michigan doesn't necessarily do as badly as as people might think. And and I think that also gets to, well, why, you know, when we have all of these resources, why don't we do better? I think that there is an outdated perception of Michigan, you know, nationally and, mm-hmm. and internationally. I think, you know, people, you know, think back to, you know, when, when Michigan was really having a tough time economically. And I think it takes time for perceptions to get updated. So I, I think that, you know, we do have an uphill battle in, in getting the word out about you know, what's here in Michigan. And, you know, just to add um, to Jeanette's story, you know, I, I grew up in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., and I came here for um, graduate school. I came to attend the University of Michigan, as, as the mayor mentioned. Um, and, you know, when uh, when we had the chance to move back here, I, I moved back to the D.C. area um, after I finished school. When we had the chance to move back, we grabbed it because it's a fantastic place to raise a family. Um, you can actually afford to buy a house, which you know people who who live in in on the East Coast know. Absolutely. You know, and you can't take for granted, and and that's an advantage we have in Michigan, um, is you know ma- making sure that we can keep housing affordable. Um, and part of that is, um, you know, building housing and making sure the housing supply um, is there to keep up if if we do have more people moving into the state. Yeah, yeah, Mayor Mayor Hamoud, I think. If you, I think there's a part of this as a, as a marketing effort. You have to speak to what makes Michigan great. In the city of Dearborn, that's what we're trying to do as well. Communicate this brand to Dearborn is welcoming. It's great for families and we want to grow your families. Um, from my perspective, you know, I was elected in November of 21. Uh, we welcomed my daughter into the world in December of 21. And I assumed office in January of 22. <laughs> and one of the most remarkable transformation for me has been fatherhood. And I've been using that, my daughter, 17 months, as long as I've been in office. Um, I've been using the experience of being a new father um, alongside my wife and trying to determine how do you make investments that help attract families um, to your city. Um, and that's the, that's the philosophy that we, we must adopt. You know, I think um, this, the City Institute walks we're having in the city of Dearborn is going to be great. Um, and, and I think if we continue on this path of just marketing and speaking to what makes Michigan such a unique success, alongside making those key investments in school infrastructure and our infrastructure overall and public transit, that will help make Michigan the place to be. Yeah. Okay, when we come back, we are going to continue this conversation about population here in the state of Michigan, in southeast Michigan, in Dearborn. We're going to keep Dearborn Mayor Abdullah Hamoud. We are also going to keep Gabriel Ehrlich of the University of Michigan. And, of course, we'll have more of you, the listeners, on the phones and on social. We'll get to Dan in Southfield, Bernadette in Old Radford, Christopher in Detroit, Joe in Rochester Hills, Becca in Royal Oak. 313-577-1019 is the number here. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. For news- 
that impacts your community. Music that moves your soul. And conversations that matter. W. D. E. T. Detroit's NPR station. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've decided to join us. We're talking about population today, population loss here in the city of Detroit, the population stagnation that we have in the state of Michigan. Uh, we're talking with Dearborn Mayor Abdullah Hamoud, who is working really hard to grow the population of Dearborn, and there's been some success there over the last 10 years. Dearborn grew at a rate that was much higher than most of the state. We've been talking to him about why that's true and how he's trying to continue that trend. Also with us is Gabriel Ehrlich. He is an economic forecaster at the University of Michigan and director of the university's research seminar in quantitative economics. He is helping to put this in a little broader perspective about population trends. We want to hear from you as well during the conversation. What do you make of the population challenges we have, but especially want to hear from folks about why they're here. Where do you live? And what about that place makes you say that's where you want to be? Maybe that's where you're raising a family. Tell me about the choices that you've made to stay here in Michigan and whether you think we need to do things to make more people make those choices. What are some of those things that you would put on the agenda? 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can include you that way. I want to read a few social comments before we get uh, back to phones. Big Neo says, if you want population growth in the state of Michigan, especially in the city of Detroit, you need to have more family-friendly areas. There is almost nowhere for kids to be able to go skateboard. That needs to change. He says focus on light rail and mass transit as well. Uh, Dragon Lady on Twitter says, grew up in the Midwest, out west for college years, settled in Michigan to raise our family. Between the UP and the lakes, Michigan has so much of what we loved about the west with way fewer wildfires and natural disasters. Uh, We love Michigan and hope our kids stay when they are grown. Michael on Twitter says, I live in downtown Detroit and after hearing the Dearborn mayor, I want to move to his city. Look at that, Mayor. You picked up a constituent while you were here. Plus one. (laughs) Especially, he says, the comment that they care about people and jobs and not trickle down from billionaires like other cities. Uh, Let's go back to the phones here uh, and talk with Becca in Royal Oak. Becca, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Hey, go ahead. Thanks for having me. Yep. Um, Yeah, so I called in because uh, my husband and I are both transplants. Um, He's a native New Yorker. I'm from um, Allentown, uh, Pennsylvania area. We met here, um, got married, and we have an eight-year-old daughter now. Um, and we choose to stay here. We do have jobs that are, you know, fulfilling for us. Um, but we really appreciate the um, standard of living we can have here in Michigan that we could never afford um, in New York. Um, we love the state park system. Um, so there's a lot that's really wonderful here that keeps us here. We live in Royal Oak with a great downtown. Um, but I wanted to specifically comment for um, attracting young people and families um, there's not enough child care here, so hmm. it can be really difficult for families to find um, care, especially for infants, um, and also after school care. And you may be aware that a lot of, we live in a district that got rid of school busing, um, as did many other districts. And so that makes it tough for um, you know, working families to uh, juggle all the things. We notice at pickup, when we go pick up, you know, break up our workday at 3.30, pick up our kid, we notice a lot of grandparents picking up, but we don't have that family infrastructure here to support us. So if we want to bring in younger people and younger families, I feel like we need to create a system of services and support um, to to fill in where family might fill in in other places. Yeah, yeah. Becca, that's a really great point. Uh, Mayor Hamoud, there, there's some things that you're doing in Dearborn to try to to try to serve families and serve them better. Uh, but talk about the 
the the caregiving dimension of that and and how tough that is here in Michigan. It's very tough. You know, the issue of child care is a national crisis. I mean, my wife and I are exhibiting this right now as we try to further family plan <laughs> um, and something that it's going to require the investment. I know that the governor has put in dollars to assist um, the child care uh, crisis, and it's going to take some time for those dollars to be realized. Um, but a few things we're working on in Dearborn. One, we still have our school buses. Um, Dearborn is actually the first school system in the country to electrify its fleet. And what we're working with the public school system is to say maybe the final drop-off can also be our community center so that the children might have a few hours also before the parents get off of work to relax, have a study area. There's an area you can play and and, and enjoy uh, some of the sporting opportunities we have um, before you might have to pick up your child and go home. Um, But some of the other things we're also doing as a city is we're doing flex scheduling. We now have a 3-2 work schedule at the city of Dearborn, understanding that child care is an issue where you can have three in the office and two at home trying to lower what that cost of childcare might be by only needing three days a week instead of all five days a week. And so this is going to take a collaborative approach between all levels of government to help address this crisis. But the pre-K investment is also extremely important. Um, and that's something that we're happy to see, whether it's the GSRP programs or pre-K uh, overall across the state of Michigan. Yeah, uh, We had a question on Twitter from David about the population growth in Dearborn over the last 10 years and whether it comes from Detroit or from other cities here in Michigan? I think that's an interesting question because one of the tensions, and I want to have both the mayor and uh, Gabriel Ehrlich address it, is the the, the question of competition among cities Mm -hmm. for population and competition among states. Uh, Sometimes uh, maybe they work at cross purposes. Uh, Mayor, I'll start with you. It's, it's a great question. And the reality is, you know, mayors across the state of Michigan are obviously all competing to try to grow their population. But I think if we prioritize getting people to stay in Michigan or grow the Michigan population, we're all going to benefit. It'll just be to varying degrees. Um, you know, uh, I think another important element to this conversation is just kind of like the clean air and water, especially for southeast Michigan, um, to really heal the scars of industry if we're taking seriously the task of investing in people. Um, That's one of the reasons we're making a $30 million plus investment in green spaces. Um, And so, yes, there is a competition for neighboring cities, but I think we have to put our regional hats on and understand that what's great for the region is also great for me. Um, Healthy competition is always great. Um, So if you're in Royal Oak and such, you know, Dearborn might be a great uh, option for you. Um, But, uh, you know, prioritizing the state, prioritizing the region will all be beneficial for the city of Dearborn in the end. Yeah. Uh, Mayor Abdullah Hamoud, uh, I know you need to run, and so I'm going to let you go. But it was really great to have you here uh, back with us on Detroit Today to talk about this. Thanks so much. Thank you for all joining. so much. Yeah. Uh, Gabriel Ehrlich, I want to come to you next and have you talk about that tension between cities competing for population with each other within a state and uh, cities trying to compete to bring people from other states uh, to this state, uh, how do we how do we manage that a little better here in Michigan? Yeah, I you know I think what I would add to to what the mayor said is you know that I agree with what he said about the healthy competition ultimately is you know probably benefits everyone you know just potentially to varying degrees. But the thing I want to say is you know if we don't compete here in Michigan, other states are still going to be competing. So you, you know we don't want to unilaterally disarm, right? Uh, right? You know you're still going to have the Texases, you're going to have, you know, the Tennessees, they're going to be competing. So we need to compete too um, if, if we want to stay in the game. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Uh, let's go quickly to Bernadette in Old Redford. Bernadette, we only have a couple minutes left, but I wanted to get you in here. I'll make it snappy. Um, we may not be Miami, but we could be Minneapolis. They have snow, they have lakes, Mm. and um, they're certainly not losing population like we are. What are they doing right and we're doing wrong? Mm. Uh, Great question. And uh, Bernadette said in the comments here that you were also curious about the kinds of uh, business attraction that that we had been undertaking here in Michigan over over the last uh, over the last decade. But but uh, Gabriel Ehrlich, I'll have you address. Her analogy there, we we can't be Miami, but uh, why aren't we Minneapolis? Yeah, um, it's a great question. You know, Minneapolis is often looked to as as you know an example of you know precisely a, a cold city, cold weather city that um, you know is successful. Obviously, you know they do a lot of things right. I do want to point out Minnesota overall 
actually also you know suffers from out migration mm-hmm. the same way Michigan does. Actually, um, I think since 2020, it's actually been a little bit more of a problem proportionally in Minnesota than in Michigan. So, you know, um, it's it's a challenge I think for you know a lot of places. It's it's not just a Michigan challenge. Um, one thing to say about Minnesota is um, they have a much higher labor force participation rate than Michigan. Um, and I think, you know, there are a lot of reasons for that. I think it's it's a little bit puzzling, you know, but one, um, you know, why the difference is as big as it is, but, you know, something they've been able to do is to have more of their population working. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that, you know, lets you pay for more programs that lets you, you know, do more financially as a state and economically um, when you make sure, you know, people have the skills and the resources that they need to participate in the workforce. Yeah, and they're contributing then, of course, to the economy, which uh, contributes to tax revenue, which makes it possible to reinvest in things that create more opportunity. I mean, it really is uh, a cycle that you kind of have to stoke at at, at many different different levels. Okay, uh, Gabriel Ehrlich, economist at the University of Michigan. It was really great to have you here uh, for this conversation on Detroit Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. That is going to do it for us today. Uh, Come back tomorrow when we are going to talk a little more about some of the other things that we learned while we were on Mackinac Island. Lots of interviews conducted last week about a really wide range of things, including population here in the state of Michigan. We'll start to share some of those interviews with you later this week. Also remember, if you like this show and enjoy listening to the program in general, you should be sharing it, sharing it with your friends and your neighbors and your family, other people who might benefit from the really wonderful uh, discussions that we have here each day on Detroit Today. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.